Typical 22. You promise yourself you're going to spend more time on your classes this go-around, but your new high school girlfriend means a lot of late nights, especially the ones where she sneaks out of her house and so your grades fall off a cliff immediately and are on life support the rest of the way, just like your finances. So you take a night job, manning the desk of the campus law library, helping people look up statutes, but mostly just reshelving books, pulled down by law students, too absorbed to reshelve them. You lay your hands on Madonna's sex book the moment it goes on sale at the local Barnes & Noble, the large format book with metal covers and spiral binding, comparatively tame to what you know about Madonna, and you give the book to the Southern lawyer who wants to give it to a conservative friend as a gag gift. You hammer out a couple of short stories, including one about a polygamist Mormon and his three wives. Arizona voters approve a statewide holiday for Martin Luther King Jr. and are rewarded when the National Football League awards the state the right to host the Super Bowl three years on. The actor who played the older brother on different strokes is arrested when he's pulled over by the police who finds drugs and a loaded gun. The dream of becoming a writer finally trumps all else, and you leave the aftermath of the collapse of Charlie Keating's empire behind, and Tempe, and Arizona State University, and your old high school girlfriend too, and move 90 miles south to the University of Arizona to finish your undergraduate degree in their creative writing program. Taking an apartment just off campus down Park Avenue, which you think is funny, you have no furniture, no car, hardly any money save for what's left over in student loan aid after each semester's tuition, but the red brick campus has a unifying effect, and for the first time in your short academic career, school becomes the main focus. Your new high school girlfriend visits a couple of times on the Greyhound bus, but you both sense that the relationship has run its course. No hard feelings. Charlie Keating is convicted again, this time by the federal government. Michael Jackson appears on Oprah Winfrey's talk show and claims to have a skin disease and that he doesn't bleach his skin like some suspect. A truck bomb explodes at the World Trade Center. Doesn't do what it's supposed to knock one building into the other, but it does kill a handful of people. The actor who played the older brother on different strokes is arrested for stabbing a guy renting a room from him when he tells the guy to quit yelling at his girlfriend, but he's later cleared when the stabbing turns out to be self-defense. The little kid from different strokes everyone loved wins a lawsuit against his parents who squandered all the money he made. The actor son of the famous martial artist is killed on a movie set when a blank is fired at him, same as it was John Eric Hexum years before. You aim to model your writing career primarily on Brett Easton Ellis's, since he is a young and famous writer, and you want that too, so you begin work on your first novel called The Vegetable King, which loosely resembles a mashup of Fitzgerald's the Great Gatsby, and Brett Easton Ellis's American Psycho. The television in the student union plays the raid at the Waco compound on a loop, everyone gathered around as if it's homework. 
A tennis player is stabbed during a tournament. And at first, people assume it's because of her nationality, but really the stabber is just a fan obsessed with the player's rival. The campus literary magazine wants to publish your short story about the polygamist, leaving a note on your door about it since you don't have a phone. Tucson empties when summer arrives, and you work eight hours a day on your novel, sometimes treating yourself to the dollar movie on campus regardless of quality, or to an hour in front of the television and the student union where you watch news unfold incrementally. Prince changes his name to a symbol, and nobody knows what to call him. The woman in Beverly Hills who is arrested for running a prostitution ring involving celebrity clients. The White House lawyer whose body is found in a park, dead from suicide. Something to do with the real estate scandal involving the president that no one seems to know the specifics of. The boy whose father accuses Michael Jackson of molestation, though it might just be a shakedown. Basketball superstar Michael Jordan's father going missing, his body turning up in a swamp a couple of weeks later. The Menendez brothers' trial broadcast minute by minute on a cable news channel. The two dressed in colored sweaters to make them look not like the kind of kids who could level shotguns at their parents. You also kill some of the summer at the free wine receptions at the Poetry Center, which is just a little house on Cherry Street, where you hear some great writers, including a graduate fiction writer whose first story was published in Esquire magazine because the Esquire editor happened to be subbing in for the instructor who was his wife, and the graduate student's story happened to be up for workshop that day. A lucky story that gives you great energy and hope, and by the fall, you have a finished version of your novel. It takes a week to print it out, though, because you don't have a printer, and the monitors in the campus computer labs are tight about how many pages anyone can print at once, so you put the different labs on a loop, knowing when the monitors change posts so that you can print out a copy of the entire novel, which you mail straight off to Random House, the biggest publisher, and the one who publishes your idol. Every admirer is one part assassin. You've been listening to Typical of the Times, growing up in the culture of spectacle by Jamie Clark, who under the pseudonym J.D. West, is the author of The Golden Age Detective Novel, The Disappearance of Swenson's Secretary. 